turn with me to Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 2. Today and the next two weekends, uh, as we're coming up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at three of the four stories in the Christmas story that pertain to angels. And we're going to look at this and we're going to attempt to uh, see how these angels better our lives. It was Abraham Lincoln in his first inaugural address before the Civil War had begun who referred in that address to the, the better angels of our inner nature. And he wasn't talking about angels as we think of them. He, was, he was, uh, had this word picture of a little angel sitting on one shoulder whispering in our ear, do what God says, do what God says. And then we have this little demon on the other side whispering in the other ear that says, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. And it's the, the better angels of our inner nature, the, the good choices we make. He's talking about bringing the best out of people. And so I'm taking that term, better angels, and I'm uh, referring to this series we're doing where we're studying angels and how they step into our lives to make us better. And we're calling it Better Angels. So before I, before I read through the story here in Matthew 2, uh, let, me just, let me just tell this, this interesting story. Uh, Friday night, uh, my wife and I had five grandkids come and spend the evening and the night with us at our house. And Anita always puts together some kind of a program for them. So this year it was to watch Home Alone. Probably a dangerous thing for a couple of my two-and-a-half-year-old boys, grandsons watching. But we watched the movie Home Alone. How, how many have ever seen Home Alone? You know, it's a, Chris, it's a Christmas show. It's a comedy. Got a Christmas theme, feel-good ending, unless you're one of the bad guys. That didn't feel so good. <laughs> anyway, when the show was all over, the kids went off and they did something else. And uh, we, I, I was too lazy to get up and hit the remote, so we just left... The credits rolled, the credits, and I'm thinking, name after name after name after name, who are these people? I don't know who these people are. Their name up there isn't going to be of any benefit to them because how many people read the credits? Unless you're looking for a particular song or a particular individual, nobody reads the credits. When they start rolling, you turn it off, unless you've heard the rumor that there's uh, a part at the end they put in. So then you got to watch through the credits. It's a strategy. Anyway, I was looking at all those names, and I got to thinking, that's just like it is with us. There are a couple key players in our lives that really influence us. And then there's these behind-the-scenes technicians that are at work in our lives, arranging things, setting things up at work in our lives, uh, behind the scenes. We never see them. We don't even know they're there, but they're at work. This is an, this is an army of angels that God has dispatched on our behalf, and we don't see them, so we put them out of mind. We don't even recognize they're there until every now and then somebody will tell us that they think they saw an angel. They had an encounter that was so supernatural it must have been an angel, and then we think about it. We're going to talk about those behind-the-scenes characters, those influencers, those people that make the story what it is, for us. 
Let's read through the story, and then uh, there's some practical points I want to bring out about how angel, what angels do to make us better. We're going to start in verse 12, Matthew 2, 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the three wise men returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Fascinating story. The Bible says that angels are ministering, I mean serving, ministering spirits. A spirit doesn't have a body like you and I have. I can only be one place at a time. I'd like to be home in bed this morning, but I can't be here and there at the same time. So I have to make my mind up. I chose to be here. Same with you, right? You made a decision. You can only be one place at a time. Angels don't have those kind of limitations. I'm constricted to time. I knew that everything was going to start this morning at 9 o'clock. Whether, whether I was prepared or not, everything starts at 9 o'clock. You knew that. You knew what time to be here. We all came together at the same time because we knew when it was going to start. We're limited to space and time. Angels don't have those limitations because they don't live in physical bodies. They can appear, disappear, function, and carry out function on this earth without anybody seeing them, without anybody knowing about it. They are truly undercover agents that we never see. Here's the first thing I want us to learn about angels from this story, and I want to apply it to our lives because we're the benefactors. Here's the first thing. Angels send voices into our lives. Voices. You have a lot of voices coming into your life. Did you know that? If you read the newspaper, that's a voice. If you listen to the news on the radio or television, that's a voice. If you listen to those opinionated people you work with, that's a voice coming into your life. If, as you do, you come to church and you hear somebody like me speaking into your life, that's a voice. That's a voice. I believe angels are behind the scenes setting up those voices. That's why sometimes we see coincidences in our lives and somebody comes and says something and we say, how did they know? How did they know? And we see a coincidence going on. I believe God arranges that. I believe sometimes we're messengers of God to someone else. And God sends other messengers into our lives. Having been warned in a dream, it said about those wise men. It was a dream they had. Now I wonder, did one person have a dream and everyone else said, well, that sounds like God? Or did they all three have the same dream? And so they woke up and said, now that's got to be God. We don't know. It doesn't say that. It just says there was a dream. Somebody had a dream, and they changed their life because of it. They changed their direction because of it. 
I believe God sometimes sends dreams to us. Dreams are a voice. It's a way for God to speak to us. Most of us in this room, maybe I could say all of us in this room, have dreams at night. Did you know when you go to sleep, your body goes into a deep sleep, but your mind keeps going? That's what we call the dreams. Your mind just keeps processing. Your mind doesn't quit. That's why sometimes you can't get to sleep, because your mind just keeps going. And sometimes God communicates to us in those dreams. Sometimes we have to wake up the next morning and say, okay, God, that, that was a realistic dream. What's the message? What are you trying to say to me? I think if God has a message, and I don't understand it, and I ask him to explain it to me, and the message is intended for me, why would he not then go a step further and explain it to me? So I think we can expect that. In the book of Acts, Paul found direction in a dream. He was, a, he was a preacher of the gospel. He knew God had put this message in him, and he knew he had to share it. So he made a plan. He had a team to go with him. So he made a plan. We're going to this town. And before they got there, the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not where you're supposed to go. God says no to the gospel. I thought that was his message. So they made another plan. Okay, God said no. We'll go over here. When they got over there, Holy Spirit said the same thing. No, you don't do this here. I think any time God says no to what we know is the right thing, it's because it's timing. Sometimes it's not the right timing. God has, to, God has a little bit of preparatory work to do yet before that person gets to be introduced to the good news. Because if you introduce them to the good news too quick... They're going to reject the whole thing and then build a wall up and they won't hear it anymore. So timing is everything. And sometimes it's not just the wrong time. Sometimes I'm the wrong person. Sometimes I have to plant some seeds, but it's not my role to bring in the harvest. Someone else gets to come along and do that. The Bible teaches. I just want to be a part of the process, a part of the plan. And then after Paul had to deal with rejection here and rejection there, feeling like he didn't know what it was to feel the leading of the Lord, he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a Macedonian. A Macedonian is a foreigner clear across the Aegean Sea. I mean, that was a big deal to get across the Aegean Sea. But this foreigner, this Macedonia, in the dream says, come over and help us. Paul woke up in the morning and he thought, now I know what I'm supposed to do. And they packed up and they got aboard a ship and they went clear across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia. And there started a great revival, the first revival in Europe. Took it clear across to a, a continental uh, divide, what we would call a continental divide. So there's many voices that speak into our life. Psalm 103 verse 20 says this. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Notice what we learned about angels. They're mighty ones, they do his bidding, and they obey his word. You'll never find one of the faithful angels of God trying to deceive us. They reveal the truth. They move the truth into our, into our lives. That's the first one. I got seven of these, so I can't, I got to go pretty quick. Here's number two. The second thing we learn about angels and why they better us. 
Because angels motivate us to action. They get us up off our comfortable seats to do something. The angel said, Joseph, take the child and his mother and go to Egypt. Well, I don't want to go to Egypt. That's a long ways away. We know what the Bible says about Egypt. I don't want to go down there. The angel is telling him to do something uncomfortable for a reason. We don't always understand the reason, but he wants us to get up and do something. The church of Jesus Christ might as well be dead as a doornail if we don't do anything with our faith. Faith without works is dead. There's got to be some action. And I am as lazy as anybody else. I would rather just put a little extra in the offering and pay the preacher to do the ministry. But the fact of the matter is there's so many lost people out there that don't want to hear from me. They believe in you. They have friendship with you. They trust you. They don't have a relationship with me. They think all I want is their money. But they'll trust you. And if we don't take the good news to them, if we don't share our faith with them, the church might as well be dead because it's going no place. Well, let's have a prayer meeting and pray for revival. I guarantee you there'll be no revival if we just sit in our seats praying. Somebody's got to take the good news out there. A revival is when the church gets on fire and the church gets so excited about what's happened inside of us that we take that good news out to the people that we have a social connection to. When that happens, when we get excited, when we get motivated to take some action, revival will be the natural result. It's one of the laws of physics that everything slowly grinds to a halt. Everything will just slow down. If you don't put fuel in your automobile, it will slowly grind to a halt. If you don't put fuel in your physical body, if you don't eat food, your energy just slowly drains out till you have nothing left. And so it is with our spiritual lives. So it is with every church. If we don't refuel, can rekindle our fire, if we don't re, re um, how do I want to say it, re-excite ourselves, if we don't do something to re-energize ourselves, we will slowly grind to a halt. You in your walk with Christ and the church in its witness in the world. Unfortunately, there's churches all over the place in DeKalb County that are grinding to a halt because they've forgotten to refuel themselves. I know I need to refuel myself because I just dry up like, like all the rest of us. I, I, I have a responsibility to do that. So angels motivate us to do something, to take action. Here's number three. Angels point the way. The angel said, take the child and his mother to Egypt. He didn't say, take them to a safe place, take them into hiding. He says, take them to Egypt. We know Egypt represents a place of bondage. That's not the place you want to go. But the angel told him to go there because the angel knew that was the one safe place in this dark world where it would be safe for this child 
to grow up. Angels point the way to Egypt. That's pretty specific. I believe angels can be very specific with us. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul had a confrontation with Jesus Christ on his way to Damascus. His intention was to persecute the church and shut it down. So he was on his way to Damascus where apparently there was a stirring and awakening and some kind of a revival going on in Damascus. And he was going up there to bring an end to it. And he thought he was doing this uh, for God's honor. On the way, he had this encounter with Jesus and he fell off his horse and all the soldiers were standing around wondering what's happening. He's our leader. And he was on the ground wallowing in the dust, blind. He had lost his sight because he had... He who was unclean had got a glimpse of the, the glorified Christ. He blinded him. And they led him into Damascus to a guy's house and sat him down where he prayed. At the same time he's praying, over here in another town, an angel shows up to a prophet. And says, I want you to go to Damascus and pray for this guy who's staying in a house on Straight Street. Told him specifically where he could find him. And he said, well, you're talking about Paul. He's persecuting the church. I'm a part of the church. I'm a little afraid to go there. Don't be afraid. Just go do what you're told. Motivating to action. Pointed the way specifically. I remember hearing a story from my spiritual father, Dr. Paul E. Pano, years ago, talking about uh, an experience he had with what he believed was an angel. It took place in his first church, pastored a church in Lebanon, Indiana. And he, uh, he was an evangelist by, by gifting, those of you that remember him. And he had an altar call. And there were people that had come up to the altar for prayer. And he was going down the line praying for people. And there was this one person he had never seen before in the church who had come up. <clears throat> and when he got to that person, instead of saying, uh, I need you to pray for this or for that, the person just looked at him and said, don't chase the devil's rabbits. And he kind of smiled, and as I would do, probably thought, that's a dingbat statement. What does that mean? But as soon as he turned to the next person, it dawned on him, and there was like this flash of revelation. What a hound dog does is he gets, this, gets on the scent of a deer. He smells the deer trail, and he will take off after, down that trail, wherever that trail goes. He's after that deer, and he sniffs and follows that deer. And every now and then, he'll cross the path of a rabbit. And he'll get the scent of that rabbit and take off after the rabbit. Or take off this way after this rabbit. And he forgets all about the deer he was after in the first place. Chasing after secondary things. And as soon as he turned away from that person with the word and went on to pray for the next person, that dawned on him. Don't chase the devil's rabbits. God has set before you a purpose the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't get, don't get chasing off after prophecy. Don't get chasing off after spiritual gifts. Don't get chasing off after this or that or anything else. It's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the main thing. Don't chase the devil's rabbits. And as soon as that all dawned on him, he looked back at that person and the person was gone. 
And he was convinced that that was an angel, a messenger of God, who gave him a secret, a, a key, if you will, to his life ministry. And he never forgot that. I wish I could say I have an angelic experience like that, I could tell you. And I wish all of us had some kind of an angelic experience, but typically they try to hide from us. They don't want to be the object of our worship. They just want to honor God and set things up for, for God to be honored through us. So angels point the way. Here's number four. We learned that angels are assigned projects. He said, go to Egypt until I tell you. In other words, I'm, I'm giving you the assignment and I will finish the assignment. I'll come and tell you when it's safe to come back. Stay there until you hear from me. So I learned, we learned from this that angels are assigned projects. I am one of their projects. You are one of their projects. So we can honestly say we're from the projects. <laughs> we're all projects that keep the angels busy. And some of us give them more work than they want to handle. Until I tell you. Remember the Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart? Remember in that movie, there's an angel by the name of Clarence. And Clarence is kind of a fumbling, bumbling angel who makes, makes mistakes and cannot get his wings. And so the whole story, It's a Wonderful Life, is about Clarence has one more chance to earn his wings. And so he's dispatched down here to watch over George's life to make sure that he opens his eyes and sees reality, which by the end of It's a Wonderful Life, he does. And those of you that are younger, if you've never seen it, uh, I encourage you this Christmas season, get It's a Wonderful Life and watch, watch it. And uh, you'll smile at Clarence. And Clarence is probably a not very realistic image of what an angel is like. But the whole movie is about a project. He has a project and he can't earn his wings until he finishes his project. I don't think that's true in spiritual terms, but I do think we're his projects. Jesus referred to children and referred to their angels, implying to me that children have angels assigned to them. We call them guardian angels. I don't think that term's in the Bible. I wonder how old I, as a child, had to be before the angel, before I was too old to have a guardian angel. In other words, I don't think guardian angels are just for children. Amen. I think they're for, I think they continue through our life. And because they continue through our life and they're on a project, uh, I, I think sometimes because angels are spiritual beings, we have, we have some difficulty defining the line between the Holy Spirit and angels because they function in the same spiritual realm trying to accomplish the same spiritual end. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm a project that's not completed yet. Don't get mad at me because I'm not done. God's still working on me. He's got more to accomplish. Now, we don't understand the hierarchy among angels, but there's got to be one. You know, hierarchy is who's in charge of who and what levels and that sort of thing. Uh, if, you, if you have a, a Dake's Bible, he goes into great length describing the hierarchy of angels. Uh, interesting read, but I'm, I'm not so sure he's got the whole thing in his grasp uh, because I don't think any human can. I think the Bible gives us bits and pieces of the truth. But we have no reason to understand how God's angels are structured. There's no reason for me to understand. I just need to trust God. We do know that there are three specific leading angels, influencing angels. One is Michael. He's listed by name in the Bible. Michael's name is usually associated with Israel, God's Old Testament covenant with the Jews, the people of Israel. The second one we have by name is Gabriel. Gabriel was the name of the angel that visited Mary and told her what was going to happen in the days ahead. And of course, the child was Jesus, who died on the cross to pay the price of the sins of the world, and those who bought into that covenant are the church. So it appears that Gabriel is kind of an angel overseeing the church, or overseeing the projects. There's a third one. His name is Lucifer. That may surprise you. Did you know that Lucifer was created to be the worship leader in heaven? See, worship leader, that's an important position because you're leading other people. You're in front of people. You're leading them. You're pushing them toward God. You're, you're pulling people together. He was, he was a leader. God created him with the gifting for that purpose, for that ministry. But because he saw everybody looking at him, because he saw how influential he was, he got a big head filled with pride. And that disqualified him from being in a leadership position. And God kicked him out of heaven and sentenced him to planet Earth. So he is today the God of this world. And the Bible says that when he was kicked out of heaven down to the earth, one third of the angels of heaven followed with him. We call those demons unclean spirits. One third of all the angels God created chose to follow Lucifer rather than God. If angels can be deceived... Is it any surprise to us we live in a deceived world Amen. that has no problem with Frosty and Santa Claus, but they got a real problem with Jesus. They got no problem with Happy Holidays, but they got a real problem with Merry Christmas because it puts Christ in the center. Yes. And they don't want Christ in the center. Okay, I got to move on. Here's number five. The fifth thing, on how, the fifth way that angels make us better. Angels warn of danger. 
verse 13 there in this in the story <clears throat> it says take the the child and the mother and take them to Egypt for Herod will attempt to kill the child kill is a serious thing the the utmost penalty we give to someone is someone who takes another person's life there's a sentence for it even if you accidentally do it I mean they'll find some charge against you taking someone else's life is a real serious offense but King Herod is the king he makes the laws everybody does what he wants so there's trouble We live in a troubled world, and people of faith have to live like people of faith. It doesn't matter how dark our world gets. The problem with the church is we like to sit around and grumble about how the rest of the world is going to pot. That doesn't change what Jesus Christ can do in someone's life one bit. As a matter of fact, the darker it gets, the brighter the light should appear. Amen. We should be a contrast to the world, not fit in. Satan doesn't care if you live or you die. He just doesn't want you taking anybody with you. He doesn't want the promises of God becoming a reality in your life because if they become a reality, it will bolster your faith and you will see even more promises become reality. He just wants to take your hope away. Calm you down. He just wants you to stop reading the Bible and watch movies. Christmas movies. Feel good movies. That don't take you anywhere nearer the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. <clears throat> Here's number six. Angels appear in the darkness. It said in verse 14, it was during the night. During the night, this angel came to visit him. It was in the dark time when things seem so dark and shadowy and our hope is taken away and it just looks like all these things I read in the Bible aren't possible in the world today. Herod sleeps but the angels are awake. They don't have physical bodies, so they don't get weary. They just keep going. They just keep going. And you, with the power, I should say, the help of the angels behind you, you have the power to fight for your family. Amen. You have the power to fight for your marriage. You have the power to fight for your dreams and your hopes. If you don't fight for them, you're just going to sit back and watch and see what happens. Try that with your garden. <laughs> just sit back and watch and see what happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan himself wants to set our American culture up so that we, we, we see ourselves as the good guys 
we're, we're, rescuing, we're rescuing the poor people whose minds are all messed up by helping them stay that way. Satan wants us to think in our American culture that we're really doing the enlightened thing. When in reality, it's Satan masquerading as an angel of light. We've got to be careful because we'll be duped because we want to be the good guys, don't we? We want to be the good guys. Because we want to be the good guys, we want to be tolerant. We want to be accepting of everybody and everything. And sooner or later, there is a way that seems right to a man. The end thereof leads to death. Come on. We've got to see that. All right, here's number seven. Almost done. Angels lead us out of our Egypt. Amen. They don't leave us there. Amen. The angel told him to go to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. Don't come back and tell. But the angel is going to tell him when. Hosea chapter 11, or yeah, chapter 11, verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, there's some terminology there that makes us think that's not talking about Jesus. But there's also terminology there to let us know this is a prophetic word. Yes. Masked so that the enemy couldn't understand it. But we in the future with spiritual eyes can understand it. Yes. Out of Egypt, I'm going to call my son. He is going to be one who understands what it is to be homeless, displaced, down in, in, in a place where he doesn't want to be and doesn't know anybody, no family, no friends, and I'm going to call him out of there. So he can identify with you and I Amen. who really are homeless. I mean, I have a home. My home is paid for, thank God. Took a long time to get there. But it's not my home. Somebody else is going to get it one of these days because it's not my home. I'm just passing through. My home's in Father's house. Amen. I got my reservation in one of those mansions up there. Amen. Got my name on it. My name's written in the book. Yeah. And I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Will, that's future tense. Do you, do you get that? Before I was a Christian, I had angels ministering to me, leading me up to that place. Because I was too dumb to discover this on my own. I was too rebellious. I was going the wrong direction. Angels had to redirect my life. And in my case, it wasn't a pleasant experience. They had to jerk the slack out of me to get my attention. I think I'm not the only one. I think there's a few others in here like that. So he leads us out of our Egypt. So what is your Egypt today? Is it finances? Is it a relationship problem? Is it a dream that's been destroyed and drained? Is it your health? You know, we only have one body to function in. How do we serve God if our body doesn't function? These all can be our Egypt, but the angels are there 
to lead us out. To lead us out. Not to leave us there. To leave us out. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants to lead us out. Let's stand together. So I'll go back to my opening illustration. Watching a movie and all those names some comes scrolling up, scrolling, 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 name after name after name. The person that painted the set, the electrician that set up the wiring, the person that, that edited and produced the, the video, the, the marketing agency that sells the video, all those names come flying past. It reminds me of that horde of angels that God has on his side watching out for me, watching out for you. That's why we become better people. We're not doing this on our own. If it was up to us to do it on our own, we'd be hopeless. But it's God intervening. Now remember, if when Lucifer fell, one-third of the angels fell with him, how many does that leave faithful? Two-thirds. Two twice as many. God has twice as many angels ministering spirits sent to serve us and help us be better people. Twice as many. So Satan is outnumbered. Amen. It may look like there's all kinds of bad news going on in your life. The good news is God's got twice as much good news going on in your life. We're just not seeing it till the end. It's at the end of the story we get to see all the participants. In the meantime, we just get to sit back and enjoy the adventure as it unfolds in our life, in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. Christmas is an amazing story when we, when we look at it and read between the lines. It's not just a story about the birth of a baby in hard times. It's a story of the supernatural, spiritual world stepping into the natural. That that baby was completely human, yes, but also was completely God, which we can't understand. That baby representing both man and God died on the cross when he grew up representing me and my sinfulness being paid for, the innocent paying the price for the guilty. I thank you for my Redeemer. Father, we all want to be thankful for the redeeming process that you've worked out in such an amazing way that we're still just discovering it. Make this burn down inside of us, Father. And as, as we enter into this Christmas, yes, let us be full of Christmas joy. And uh, yet let there be excitement of giving gifts and the tree and the decorations and all that. Yes, let that be a reality. But help us as believers never forget what it's really all about. Help us to not chase the devil's rabbits. Help us stay focused on the main thing. It's all about God becoming man so that we could have connection with God. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace. Help us now, Lord, to keep our eyes open and to see your, your spiritual influence in our lives through those angels serving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Keep your eyes focused on that. This is, Christmas is all about a blending of the supernatural becoming natural. God becoming man. That's what it's about. And that should put a whole new perspective on things. Amen? Amen. 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 Go with God. He loves you. Have a Merry Christmas.